Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now, let's give you something to chew on. We are back for another episode of Chew On This, and my trusty co-host is here. What's up, K-Dog? Hey, Teresa Duncan. A beautiful day in Colorado. Hope it is in your part of the world as well. It's quiet, and that's all I ask for. Uh, do, you, do you remember that lightning uh, strike that hit my house back in June or July? Part of everything 2020 bingo card. Yes, absolutely. The most 2020 thing that could happen to me. So we finally, now, we finally got all of our siding up, and I've had a headache since the last four or five days now. So siding is all done and everybody's gone and it's quiet. And I'm finally like easing up on the Advil because the Advil like injected into my veins is what was happening. So (laughs) that's, that's pretty brutal. And you know, Teresa, I'm just thinking, is there anywhere that you could buy Advil? I mean, if you could walk into, I don't know, a store, I'm just thinking, is there anywhere that you could buy something like that? See, this is why we're good together, because you have teed up my first story. (laughs) We are going to talk again about Walmart. And if you remember a couple episodes ago, our dear listeners, and if you're new to us, welcome. A couple episodes ago, we did talk about Walmart and how they have these dental health centers and they're expanding. And now they have determined or they have filed to do officially be an insurance provider. So this is a very big disruption on the medical side. They are entering the Medicare market, which is a crowded market, but a very lucrative market, especially since Walmart already has volume. What does that mean for dental? Well, uh, you know, we had gone back and forth, you and I, through email about some breaking news where dental is, you know, they're going to be offering possibly a dental plan with their medical plan. And I saw, I downloaded the booklet all almost 300 pages of the booklet and read through it. I not only saw that dental was included, but I also saw that you can get a colonoscopy from Walmart for $275. What do you think of that? I, I think that they are changing the game and we don't realize it's even being changed. And you and I have talked a couple of times about how that Walmart is such a convenience factor and such a comfort factor for a lot of patients. And I think for them now to be offering dental, medical, and to be getting into the sphere, uh, especially on the insurance side. uh, Yeah, that's an eye-opener, I think. I think, too, that it's becoming pretty obvious that not all the services are going to happen in Walmart because, obviously, your colonoscopy is not going to happen in aisle whatever. Clean up on aisle nine. Yes, absolutely. So what this tells me is that they're going to be start building out a provider network. So although Walmart has all sorts of dental clinics that they're opening, perhaps they're going to start offering the opportunity to be within the Walmart network. So I pulled up the dental plans and I wanted to share a little bit about what I saw on the dental plans. And so I'm just going to read. And this is just from one plan. I put in a a fake zip code to be in the area to see what plans were offered in that area. And this is what popped out. So the services that are covered under this Medicare plan, which again, Medicare, this plan is offering dental, whereas typical Medicare does not offer dental. So this is considered to be a Medicare Advantage type plan. 
So under this plan, comprehensive dental is offered. You have restorative, endo, perio, extractions, prosto, and other oral maxillofacial surgery. I do not see uh, braces on here, so we're going. I'm going to look through a little bit for that. But here's what the out of pocket is going to be for the insured. So for cleanings, there's zero copay for cleanings, and you get up to two per year. Zero copay for x-rays. You get one x-ray per calendar year. I don't know if that means one bite wing or one full set of x-rays. I don't know. Like, <laughs> here's one PA and it's going to be $500 for the rest of them. I don't know if it's going to be like that. <laughs> then there's going to be zero copay for Medicare covered services if it's an acute inpatient stay. So hopefully that, that doesn't happen. Let's go on to the other ones. $20 copay for restorative, for endo, for periodontics, for extraction. Now, it's very careful to say $20 copay for each service. So if you're doing, say, four quads of scaling and replaning, you know, that's an $80 copay, which I think most of our patients would be like, hot dang, that's, that's a pretty good deal. The plan does cover up to 1000 per year. And so there's, you know, not much different there. That doesn't vary very much from what we see. I don't see anything about a deductible or anything like that. It really does look like it's going to be a copay-based system. Now, here's something that I wanted to put on people's radar. So remember how I just said they're going to need some, some providers for this. Deep down in the fine print, it says uh, supplemental dental benefits should be obtained from a provider in the DentaQuest network. So DentaQuest is a pretty big leasing network. It's a network, but also has some leasing connections. So Kevin, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of DentaQuest providers right now who are suddenly going to be seeing Walmart patients and not realize what's going on with that. Again, it seems like 2020 is a heck of a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, things that we didn't think we'd be talking about whenever the new year rang, for sure. Uh, but but you're right. I think that this is going to be a, a shock for a lot of people inside the industry. And I know whenever I first got the email earlier in the week and I sent it over to you, you know, it was a little bit of a an eye opener for me, and certainly I'm not in the insurance weeds as much as you are. But I knew how quickly you responded back to me. You know that that this was something that uh, definitely was going to be a little bit of a seismic shift. So here's what's concerning to me. I'm trying to get a little bit more information on it. You know, I'm I'm scrounging the internet for this stuff. But the benefit booklet for all of the services, medical and dental combined, and vision and all of that hearing is about 250 pages. Now, when I look at a provider processing manual for a carrier, it's typically right around the same size, and that's for dental. So I'm curious if there's any more drawbacks with the dental plan than we'll see. So the good news is this is happening in 2021, so there's a little bit of time to prepare. I'm going to be digging deeper into this, but I am, yeah, I'm a little bit like, what's going on here? Let me just stop for a second, because I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Any other thoughts, Kev? <laughs> no, you know, and, and I think we need to to reemphasize that right now, you know, the, the Walmart dental health side of things is really uh, based in the South, primarily in Georgia, at least at the time that we are speaking about this. You know, this is something that isn't going to affect all parts of the country, but much like whenever Amazon decided that they were going to come into dentistry, you know, it, it took a little while for it to build up before it became something that was kind of on everybody's radar. And I think we're just at that beginning point with everything that's going on with Walmart, dental, insurance, everything else that you've been discussing. So the Medicare, the medical provider is they're partnering with something, a company called Clover Health, which is very big in, in Georgia. 
I'm going to be watching this carefully because when we talk about disrupting the insurance market, this is something that I think, well, first of all, I know the big insurers are worried about this because if you look at Delta, Delta was Walmart's provider for years. Well, now they just kind of kicked Delta to the curb and they're going with DentaQuest if this, if this goes through. So that's a significant loss of revenue and significant savings on Walmart's piece because they don't have to pay for the administration of the plan. Not only are they going to save money with their current employees, but now they're going to have the opportunity to bring in other people. One really nerdy side of this, Kev, is that insurance is based on risk. So if Walmart opens it up for everybody, like there's a lot of people who have very bad health out there. And what happens if they decide to sign up for the Walmart plan that it blows the risk pool out of the water? I'm, I'm curious. I'm so curious to see how this happens. And another thing too, and then I will, I seriously will shut up is that we have a lot of people who are now working like side hustles. They don't have full-time jobs. Absolutely. If this is them going after the independent standalone market, I think they're going to make a killing. Yeah, it's funny you say that because one of the first things I thought was about, you know, we've heard the gig economy and we've heard about this for, for quite a while now. And I think a lot of it's had to do with some bills that have been passed in California. But you've got to realize that there are a lot of folks in the Atlanta area and in the Augusta area and a lot of other places in Georgia, just in particular, that gig is still a very, that's what they do. This would raise an eyebrow. And again, Walmart being a very comfortable brand, it's something that I don't think a lot of people would think two seconds about. I would honestly, if it was, if it was my doctor and they signed up, like my doctor, you know, I love her. I followed her from office to office for years, like years. If she signed up to be a Walmart doctor, I don't think I'd worry about my quality of care. I really don't, but I don't know. Would I be meeting like Joe Blow doctor? I don't know. I'd have to have some questions. And, you know, and you and I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but me born and raised in Oklahoma and being about an hour and a half away from Bentonville, Arkansas, where Walmart was founded. And Sam Walton, back in the day, actually did business with my grandpa. So, you know, it's it's a weird thing that I have as a comfort level for Walmart. Whereas my wife, Dana, who was raised in the Pacific Northwest, has a completely different view of Walmart than I do as a Southerner. You know, I, I think that it's really interesting, depending on where you are in the country, how you view Walmart, if it's looked upon maybe a little bit down your nose versus just, well, this is a part of daily life. I need something. I go to Walmart. It's that simple. Is Walmart evil in the eyes of the Seattle crowd? Uh, I don't think they're evil, but one thing that Dane and I have talked about is the the Costco versus Sam's Club debate, Uh, you know, because Costco was founded in Kirkland, Washington, which is why they have Kirkland brand, you know, until she and I first got together, you know, Sam's Club was just, oh, what is this? You know, (laughs) and I think there's still a a battle that goes on, at least in the mind, because we have a Sam's Club here in the town where we uh, live, but we don't have a membership to that. We have a membership to Costco, which is 30 minutes away. So go really? figure. I'm throwing it out. Do you have a BJ's out there? Uh, we do not. Ah, see, we have BJ's here. No, we're not that cool. I like BJ's, actually. Costco's fine. Costco's fine. But you know what? Now that we don't go many places anymore. You don't need like the Econo pack of Cocoa Puffs or anything? No. Or... And you know, there's no samples anymore. <sighs> That's frustrating. I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. I mean, so like, why go? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that used to be a big part of Saturday at the Henry house. Come on. Like the samples? Absolutely. I mean, when Noah was young, for God's sakes, like that, want to go to Costco? Yay! You know? <laughs> 
And then he's like, what's this dried mango, mom? I don't want dried mango. Like, eat the mango. It's free. You know? <laughs> eat the mango. Eat the mango. Yeah, that, that is funny that you, that there are different uh, views of it. So it'll be curious to see how Walmart Health does in a Seattle setting mm-hmm. versus a New York City setting where you there's not a lot of Walmarts there because there's just no space. True. You know, so it's, I mean, Georgia makes sense. It's all spread out you know, all that. So I, it makes sense. So we will continue to chew on this ourselves and bring this information to you as it breaks. Cause that's the kind of people we are, Kevin. I agree. And, and, but I think it's something that it definitely is of interest to us. And I know whenever we ran, uh, we had an exclusive interview with the gentleman who is running Walmart's dental side of things on Dr. By Cuspid. Dr. Rowe, uh, Dr. Roshan Parikh, good guy, great guy. Uh, really do like him as an individual. But I can tell you, we got a lot of views on that just because people are trying to figure out what this means for them. You know, we've, we've tried to figure out what DSOs coming into dentistry means. And then we were trying to figure out what Amazon means. And now we're trying to figure out what Walmart means. It's, it's fascinating to see it just keep evolving. I think the insurance industry is a little bit concerned. Um, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, but I just attended the national the yearly meeting of my insurance meeting that I go to every year and standalone uh, membership plans that our offices are offering are a huge, they were talking about that a lot. So I think we are alarming them with our, yeah. it's almost like we're the, uh, the robots that are coming to life. We're becoming essential <laughs> and offering our own membership plans. <laughs> and I'll ask you, is a lot of that because of the economy and what's going on right now with unemployment? I think so. I think, well, I'm talking to companies like Wally Health and Clear, their membership is on the rise. I mean, their phones have not stopped ringing and since then. And Dental HQ, you know, I was talking to Brett Wells and just to shout out my latest episode of Nobody Told Me That, I interviewed, I did interview Dr. Wells about how his office was affected by the rioting. So Kevin, I don't even think I've had a chance to tell you about that. No, but I'm anxious to hear that. Really good uh, relating of the events. But so he's his company too. I mean, so all of the membership plan companies are like going through the roof. So with people losing their jobs, not being 100% firm on their status, you know, they could lose their job next year. Look at the airline industries, another round, you know, yeah. and they didn't. They thought they were going to be okay for a little bit. So, yeah, I think membership plans are going to be a huge part of a successful practice now. I think it used to be optional before, but I think now you really got to get on it. I I think it's time to really pay attention to it. It's good to know. Yeah. You know, and and I'm very curious, obviously, to see as the economy keeps moving forward, whether that's up or down, how that impacts uh, the gig economy we discussed, membership plans. There's just so much that it seems like uh, it's kind of a domino effect at times. So you missed my tee up to you. I was teeing up your next story when I said, that's the kind of people we are. Oh, see, I'm, <laughs> I'm Oprah one. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, gosh, let's, let's talk about that. Absolutely. Let's chew on that for a minute. <laughs> Obviously I need some more Diet Mountain Dew in my life because uh, I, I missed that completely. Please share your, your story for the day. Some of you may or may not know that uh, I am, uh, have taken some time to be a certified DISC trainer. And if you're not familiar with DISC and personality profiles, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. DISC is something that I've really gotten into more and more uh, to see how dental practices interact with each other, how we as friends and as family and as neighbors interact with each other. And it's very fascinating to me 
every morning I get a, a roundup of news from, from a group called Science Daily. And uh, I always recommend that if you're looking for a newsletter that's outside of dentistry, it kind of lets you know what's going on with a lot of different studies going on around the world. Uh, Science Daily is a real easy, quick read, and I, I always enjoy it every morning. But there was something that jumped out at me, and again, with the personalities and DISC and everything, I, I loved reading this story. But it talked about uh, researchers at the University of California, Davis, who have concluded through a study that people formulate their goals, and it's, it's consistent with their personality traits. And what they did is that they surveyed more than 500 students when they started college, kept the survey going each year during their college existence, and then kept up with them for 20 years after they graduated to wow. see what their goals were in college, what their goals became as they got older, and then match that up with their personality style. And I'll try to boil it down in, a, in an elevator pitch here. According to DISC, each of us have one of four uh, strong personality traits. D is for dominance, I is for influence, S is for steadiness, C is for conscientiousness. And certainly, again, I'm not doing service to the whole personality thing because we don't have time in this podcast. But they found that those who were more dominant, and, and certainly you can picture what type of people that these might be, Yes, they were driven to go after money. They were driven to go after power. Those who were more in the steadiness, uh, which is the S in DISC, uh, which is much more of my personality, that's what I fall into, they were driven to do more humanitarian type of things and more goals that were society-driven rather than individual-driven. And as I was reading all this, I got to thinking about all of our different personalities that can be in, in, seen in the dental practice itself. And one thing that I've heard, and Teresa, I want to get your opinion on this, I've heard so often is that it's so hard to get people on the same page, even when everybody knows what the same goal is for the day, the week, however you measure your, your production goals. And yet there are people who are much more willing to take an active role in that versus other people in, the end, uh, in your practice. And maybe, just maybe, it's because their personalities aren't driving them toward the gathering of money, but it's or even team success, but maybe they're much more concerned about the individual success or less concerned about finances than doing good for their patients. Well, now I'm just thinking of myself because I was I was a D for a long time. Yep. And then as because you can change, right? Over time you can change your personality. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm now an I and that was Really, it's because of Noah. When I when I became a mom, I realized I don't have control over everything and, and all of that. So so now I'm an I. I do know that my goals for the practice changed when I switched over and realized I couldn't control everything. I agree with that. But what happens if you stack the deck with lots of D's and I's and you have like one little C in the back who's conscientious and trying to do everything? I mean, yeah. how do you make that work? Yeah, that's that's tough. And, and that's where you have to realize that you have those types of people in your practice. And I've heard from so many dentists, it's like, well, wouldn't it just be easier if we were all the same personality type? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I was going to say, on the surface, that sounds great. But five minutes into it, I think you'd realize what a disaster that, that is. That is a disaster. <laughs> Holy cow. And also, we can't have too much of one type uh, that's not you. Like, if there were maybe three of me, I could handle that for one day. 
but three of, let's say there was a, there's a girl I used to work with. Her name was Lita. And I would say she's a, she's probably a, the S, the steadiness. And she was my assistant, the, the dental assistant for a while, but three of her would drive me insane. Sure. You know, so I, I can't imagine more than that. I'm so impressed though, that this group, they tracked this group for 20 years. Isn't that crazy? So 20 years, you've got, you've got life changes. You've got going broke, getting rich, getting married, getting divorced. I mean, how do they account for all this, the personality changes throughout those time periods? Well, I think one of the biggest things that they said here is, and I'm going to try to try to just find it again real quick. And, and by the way, you can find this. It, the study was actually called Stability and Change in Personality Traits and Major Life Goals from College to Midlife. And one of the biggest things that they said in there was that how our traits change, that sometimes, you know, when you're in college and, and they just use this as an example, that you want to be the creative, artistic, you know, free as a bird type of thing. But you're right. At that point, you don't have a spouse. You don't have kids. You don't really have a ton of things to worry about outside of maybe college debt and making your grades. So absolutely, your goals change as you get older. But even trying to find a spouse, uh, you know, one thing that they mentioned are that those, again, who were maybe more dominant and wanted to be out there more would pursue a more attractive partner that maybe they would be more concerned about the looks because of the outward uh, show of that than they would somebody who maybe actually meshed with them on an emotional level. So, yeah, so it's fascinating. That makes total sense. I mean, because really when you're young, you go through the kind of, the bad boy phase. I mean, not you, Kevin, but obviously. Well, you, you know, know, I mean, my tat, my tats, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and then you realize that, you know, that bad boy is not going to do much for you in the future. And you start realizing there are other attractive things. Let's tie this back to the dental office or else I'll just start talking about my dating life. For a while. <laughs> so, let's tie this back to the dental office. I know that a lot of us are looking to bring on new people. How feasible is it with the really sparse, pool of applicants, how realistic is it to have them take a personality test prior to getting hired? I mean, what can they, what can a manager do to kind of sneak that personality test in without them knowing it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And there's actually a 60 second personality test that I can give to anybody. And if you want to drop me an email, uh, I know we'll have that in the show notes and I can send you a 60 second personality test that a lot of uh, practices that I work with are actually using on their patients to figure out what personality they might be. But you're exactly right. I know so many dental practices around the country are trying to find, and I'm using air quotes here, good help right now. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they're hiring a pulse rather than hiring somebody who might actually be a good fit for their practice. So while I understand the need to fill a void, to fill a position that you have in the practice, at the same time, I'll warn you very, very strongly against hiring the first candidate who comes through the door. Because I think you, as Teresa, as you said earlier, you've got to make sure that you've got some kind of a mix in your practice. You know, it's, it's, and I always liken it to the Avengers, uh, you know, where everybody kind of had their own different superpower, but they came together and they were even more powerful together than they were separately. And I think that's what we have to do in the practice as well is, you know, your knowledge of insurance, I could never have your knowledge of the business side of, of the practice is something that I could never have as well. But, you know, there are things that I can bring to the table, editorial skills or PR or whatever it might be, where we balance each other out. 
people skills, people skills for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's really important to take into mind is, is you look not just at what position you're trying to fill, but where a weakness might be in your practice that this new person maybe could be the perfect fit for. So I would divide people in the office, the patients, I would divide them into two categories. Okay. Can pay the bill, cannot pay the bill. <laughs> that's my That's a quick that's, test. <laughs> that's my P and NP. And the NPs, you know, they got bumped. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So but but honestly, wouldn't it be nice to be able to classify our patients? You know, something I should probably ask your lovely wife, the lovely Dana, who's a dentrix extraordinaire. I should probably ask her how people are coding patients nowadays. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. When we had paper charts, we used to be able to put like stickers on the charts Mm. or we would have like a piece of paper that was in the chart that was not attached to the chart that could be pulled out of the chart in case they wanted to see their chart. But like we would have a little smiley face on the stick on the folders of the patients who were really a pain in the butt. So we would know those were special patients and we needed to be special with them. And when, now that there's no, not many paper files, like what are we putting? Like, are we putting a a medical alert on there? (laughs) You know, in the, in the patient notes, you just make sure that something's just snuck into that, you know, it's like, Hey, like muscle pain or, or maybe we flag them as headaches and it's not them that has the headaches. It's us that has the headaches. That's sneaky. I like that. Yeah. You'll have to ask her that. That's a good, that's a good (laughs) one to ask. There has to be a way to communicate about our patients without them knowing about it. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So, you're going to offer that through email then, the uh, possibility of doing that. Okay. I will. Yeah. Six, yep. Uh, happy to talk disc or 60 second personality or whatever. It'll be in the show notes. I have a feeling and uh, happy to, to work with y'all in any way I can. So, I'm going to take that ball and run with it for our last story of the episode. Oh, before we do that, I want to give a shout out to the wonderful effervescent Susan Gunn, who listened to the podcast, and she's a friend of ours, our fraud extraordinaire, QuickBooks extraordinaire. <laughs> and Susan said, you guys were actually pretty good to listen to. So that's high praise. It is. It is. You're right. You all didn't suck too bad, you know? Hey. Right. So we, we appreciate that you grinned and bared it and uh, listened to the podcast. All right. So I wanted to talk about this New York dentist. So last, last time we talked about the hoverboard dentist. And hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. If you didn't hear that, it was a mess. Go back one episode. Uh, and we still are going to do our dramatic reading of the the story so ready for that yeah we need to do that yeah but we need an hour for that right so okay so here's another story of another dentist who is just kind of straight a little bit further from god's light is how i'm gonna put it wow (laughs) he is from (laughs) you like that i do okay he is from tonawanda new york which honestly is just fun to say so shout out to tonawanda new york people because how fun it is to say that i'm from centerville which is boring (laughs) so okay so this dentist dr tiberius spintescu uh has been arraigned in court on a charge of forcibly touching uh which is a class a misdemeanor of a patient so he uh the prosecutors allege and always allege because nothing's been proven that he intentionally and forcibly touched intimate parts of a female patient during an appointment at his dental office in the town of Tonawanda. So here's the issue. So this happened in May, end of May, and now his hearing isn't scheduled until November 30th. So we can talk about that in a second. I wanted to just bring to light, not just particularly this dentist, because already his name has escaped me. Just Tonawanda is all like, this dentist in particular is touching patients. So I thought to myself, 
how did they get caught? Was it the patient that complained or was there a staff member that saw it and had to say something? So I thought, let's talk about how it is if you're the staff member that sees something going on like this, what is your obligation? How do you wrestle with that ethical dilemma of, if I turn this guy in, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. Or do I go home every day and think about it and I just can't take it anymore? So I just wanted to kind of run that through and it, it has to do a lot with personality. So I was actually kind of happy when you brought that up with the second story that we went through. So when you're a, when you're side by side with the dentist and they say, you know, you can go ahead and leave the room, work on your instruments or whatever. And you come in and you see this happen. Say you saw something like this and it doesn't even have to be touching of a patient. It could be reusing a needle. It could be, you know, not cleaning the, using a, a dirty instrument or something, but something unethical happens in the office. How much grace do you give somebody before they turn it in? Like, let me back up a second. If you found out that this was me and I work in this office, but it took me two or three weeks to turn this doctor in, am I bad for that? Or am I, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, should it be an immediate turn in or do you, should they be able to go home and chew on it a little bit? And I don't mean that intentionally, but should they go home and think about it a little bit? Like, what's the obligation? I, I think whenever it comes to something that endangers patients' safety, whether that's infection control, whether that is unwarranted touching, whatever it might be. I think that you as a team member have an obligation to a one strike and you're out policy. Now that this is my take for what it's mm -hmm. worth, but I can, I can also tell you, and it's really ironic that we're talking about this because just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was talking to an assistant who left her practice because she was not happy with some of the things that were being done in fetch control standards. And her quote to me was, I wouldn't have left a year ago because I would have been more worried about finding a job than I am today, oh. which I thought was a very interesting spin. And, and I'm not here and, and I'm not even going to say what state she works in because I don't want to, to uh, damn her in public opinion. Sure. But I understand completely that there are a lot of folks out there who put up with a lot of things before COVID because they were worried about losing their job and then what's next. Now the team is realizing that there are other practices who could use their services, especially for somebody who has, let's say, a high ethical standard. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that the team is far less likely to hold something in now than maybe they were a year ago. And, and that is just a, a 30,000 foot view. But I, I, I know for a fact, at least in one case, that was the case. It's good to talk this out because there are times in my dental career where I would have said, oh my gosh, you have to turn this in. What kind of person are you to not turn this in right away? But then you watch shows like Law and Order and people are afraid to come forward because of repercussions. Sure. So you have to be, you know, and that's, that's with life and death and all that kind of stuff. But when you can't feed your family, that's also life and death. So I, I am not as like severe, I guess, on that. I don't like the fact that there's, all these factors that need to be weighed when something bad is done, it needs to be called out immediately. But at the same time, I, I mean, I can't fault whoever it is that turned them in if that's what happened. But I wanted to bring this to the forefront because I think it's a good idea for all of us to evaluate what is our breaking point in our office? What, what point do you say, I just can't take it anymore? Because there is a time, if you let this go on long enough, that you're complicit with it. And that, that I think would bother more people to think of it that way. 
rather than saying, well, I'm only staying here because I need to feed my family. If you're actually seeing stuff happen over and over again, at what point are you complicit? Yeah. And that's not something I think I can answer. I don't think that's something you can answer. I think it's very personal, but I think it's something that you guys should be thinking about. I'm saying thinking a lot, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think it's really good to have this conversation with yourself so that, you know, you don't have to make that decision right away. What's your line in the sand? That's I think what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, you know, tying back into what we were just talking about, I, I do think everybody's personality style and how we're wired shows where that line in the sand falls. I don't think it's a cookie cutter answer. And I think you're right. It is up to each individual to, to put themselves in that what if situation and what would they do? I will say that in, and you've been doing this a long time. You've been on the journalistic side of it, but in my 20, 30 years of dentistry, <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of headlines and, you know, sticking with the, the abuse part of it, the, the touching and all that kind of stuff. It has been all sorts of dentists that do it. You cannot say that it's one type of creep or one type of whatever. We've seen black, white, Asian, older, younger, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's a dentist here on the East Coast that just got arrested for having child porn in his office. Yeah. So like what what on earth? So it's it takes all it takes all kinds, I guess, to stray further from God's light. Well, <laughs> and, and as a Southerner, that touches my heart. But I, I will say, and just to add on to what you were just saying, it's not just the dentist. Uh, you know, there have been dental assistants who, uh, I remember a case in Florida where a, a young lady was coming out of sedation and the dental assistant was being very inappropriate with her. It's, it's everybody in the practice who has the possibility of that. Uh, but I do think that obviously when the dentist is alone or when sedation is involved are probably the two, shall we say, highest risk uh, scenarios there are. Okay. So Kevin, I'd like to flip this on you. What if it is the patient who's hitting on you or the team member? Oh, Lord. Oh, man. We have heard about that, haven't we? I mean, seriously. Here's the thing. My boss, who you know, and I'm not going to name, you know, but we were working on a patient and she was cougarish, you know, she was... <laughs> cougar and he's a you know he was a young strapping man at the time he's he's now a middle-aged strapping man but you know <laughs> young strapping man and we had the big tvs up in the the operating room the operatory and she, we were playing i don't even know what it was news or whatever and she turned to him and i'm in the room she turned to him and she said i bet porn would look great on that screen wow <laughs> wow and I, I'm like behind him doing, I don't even know what it was. And, and she's looking at him and she's smiling, like, you know, and I'm like, what am I chopped liver? Like I'm standing here. This is so uncomfortable. And, and, you know, he's, he's beat red, he's blushing and he's like, oh yeah, I, uh, I guess it would. And that's all we said. <laughs> and then we continue to, you know, work on her teeth, but how uncomfortable, but can you imagine if, and that was 20 some years ago, I think now, like. Like there would have been, like, I would have had a lawyer on speed dial. Like we need to. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's yeah. totally different now, but how uncomfortable is that when you have patients hitting on you and all of that? Oh, it's, I, boy, it's been a long time since anybody hit on me. I'm just going to tell you, but, uh, you know, back in the day, let me dust off the cobwebs on the river. Yeah. That would have been uncomfortable. <laughs> So for those of you who are young and single and mixing it up, Kevin and I are, and we have our respective spouses. So yeah, it's been a long time since anybody's hit on us. Exactly. I think the most we get is when Dana turns to you and says, Hey, want to go down and get a beer? And Norman turns to me and says, let's go to Hooters. Like that's pretty much 
That's hot. Let's be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. We've completely, we've given them not even news to chew on. We've given them our personal information to chew That's on. That's what there. we do. Yep. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap this up. So we got to worry about Walmart coming in. We got to worry about the D's, the I's, the S's, the C's. Are you, you're a C, right? I'm an S actually. I'm, I'm a love all, serve all. Can't we just all get along kumbaya guys? Totally see that. Okay. Okay, and then we got to worry about doctors who just do weird things that really are like almost for the TMZ of the dental industry. That's they fuel the, t- the tabloids there. So shout out to Tonawanda for producing a headline. <laughs> oh my gosh, what what a day, what an episode it's been, my friend. Absolutely, dear listeners, uh, let us know if you have any stories you want us to talk about. Keep up with the feedback, even you, Susan Gunn. We appreciate the feedback from you, Miss Gunn. And until the next time, we really appreciate the time that you take to listen to us. So on behalf of K-Dog, we're going to say later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.